Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Margaret Malloy. Today's topic, the case for simplicity in a complex world decomplexifying your marketing. Now, Margaret is the CMO of Siegel & Gale, the brand strategy firm. She's also a fellow of the Marketing Society. I think that's a top secret organization that I don't know about that much, and hosts a podcast called uh, How CMOs Commit, where she has interviewed over 200 CMOs, including, I think by accident, me. She also founded uh, Wearing Irish and serves as a board member of CIE, an Irish tour company. Now, I really feel like we should be doing this interview on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, welcome, Margaret. Hello, Mike. Thrilled to be on and delighted to be with your audience. Well, thanks. So first question, since it's simplicity, Margaret, tell us what in your mind is simplicity and why doesn't simplicity occur naturally? So from our perspective, simplicity happens for brand experiences that are both remarkably clear and surprisingly fresh. So it's that intersection, that gorgeous intersection where we have simplicity. Now, I take a very expansive view of brand. For us, brand is a combination. It's not just words and pictures. It's words, pictures, and experiences. Some people take a very reductive view of simplicity, and, and I think that's flawed. It encompasses qualities like ease of understanding, empathy, transparency, honesty, innovation, and being useful. And that's that trick of clarity and surprise. Because if an experience is just clear, it runs the risk of being dull. So you need that innovation to connect with your people, consumers and customers. Now you're asking the question, which I think is a very smart one, why doesn't it happen okay. naturally? Yeah, why doesn't it? And then give us a why you're talking about why why doesn't it happen naturally? Go into an example or two if you can of somebody that gets it right and somebody that doesn't. Certainly. So there are practical reasons why it doesn't happen. In a brand context, it's often a byproduct of growth. Company grows, expands its geographic footprint, expands its product portfolio, expands its number of people. So that's a driver of complexity. Another reason is evolution. I mentioned that back in the day, brands were merely words and pictures. Well, brands now are all about experiences, which inherently are much more multidimensional and therefore more complex. Another component is in an organization, there are more stakeholders intersecting with brand or said differently, brand has a large job to do. And, and another component is somewhat philosophical. A lot of our training as business leaders teaches us to find nuance. 
It rewards jargon, rewards the fancy words that suggest we have deep knowledge. When in truth, the real folks who understand a concept or an experience can articulate it simply. So a varieties of drivers of complexity. Look, we do a study every year. It's called the World's Simplest Brand Study. And I refer your viewers and listeners to our website for all the details. But fundamentally, it ranks hundreds of brands around the world based on a study of 15,000 consumers across nine countries. And the brands that have performed well in this simplicity index include Amazon, Google, uh, McDonald's in the fast food category, and Netflix as well. And when we reflect on those brands, there are a number of commonalities I think we can relate to. Often it's because their product portfolio is easy for us to navigate. We know what we want and how to get it. There's that level of clarity. Often it involves the use of plain language or elements of design and iconography to help us navigate the experience. You know, I think about Amazon, Mike, you and I know the history of that company well, the folks who invented the one click. Yeah. And I think core to it, in my experience of talking to many CMOs and leaders, brands that do well in the simplicity index are brands that value simplicity internally, that have leaders that espouse us. So Jeff Bezos' philosophies around simplicity are well, well documented. Small meetings, uh, meetings that can only accommodate two pizza, the the use of metaphor, um, having that extra seat at the table that represents the customer. So it's a culture of simplicity that creates a customer experience that is simple. So can you give us any categories or even brands that you think have complexified themselves for no reason? Well, I wouldn't mention a brand, but certainly- I knew you wouldn't do that. By <laughs> but cer- certainly categories. And, um, and I don't know about the no reason, because sometimes, as we mentioned- well, There's always a good reason, but yeah, yeah. They did, they, they, they've done it because they're trying to expand their total addressable market or they're trying to grow the business. Give us a good category, though, where they've complexified the category. Car rental. Car rental is one that often underperforms in the index. Another one is insurance. I'll give you an example of how we had a large it's very insurance. near and dear to my heart, yes. Oh, I know. But I, I agree know. with this. I agree with the complexity. Do you agree? Tell, us, tell us, tell us. Let me tell you a story because I know you also love stories. So a brand leader came to us some time ago and they were having a challenge with the grievance process for members who were trying to get claims addressed. And they invited us to come in and we looked at the process and we mapped it. And essentially, by simplifying that process, we improved the outcome for the members because their um, responses were handled faster. And we improved the business benefits for the insurer because in the past, there is a regulatory framework against which within a period of time, you have to resolve the claim. And it was taking them too long to resolve the claim. So as a result, they were paying people who may not have warranted it. So that just very simple review of what are the steps in the process? 
What steps can we eliminate and how can we be clearer in our communication such that all the stakeholders know their role, know their roles and uh, and know how we resolve things? It's, so it's- I, I, I think there's a super important point here that shouldn't be lost, which is notice we are not talking about the advertising. We're not talking about the packaging. We are actually talking about the customer experience as part of the entire story. And I, I, I want to make sure that our listeners are hearing that because we we are not talking about advertising fixing something here. We are talking about the entire story holding together and the customer experience delivering on whatever the front of that story is. Is, is that a fair statement I'm making, Margaret? That's an excellent insight, Mike. And thank you for underlining that because very often people think of the brand as the communication. But increasingly, it's about the experience. And in fact, depending on the industry, it's not limited to the experience around purchase experience or the transaction, but the experience using the product. And the marketers who are very savvy about this think of their customers as users, not just shoppers or buyers and as you know, there's all kinds of implications for the marketing that's created. It doesn't stop when the proverbial cash register rings. Yeah, two things I would I would add to that, which is I've always called it uh, cons- customer money or consumer money, not marketing money, because in the end, I'm, I'm serving the uh, or the money is designed to do the best for the customer and, and the company, not for the marketer. Um, and the other thing, the top of the funnel can only get them into the brand. If the brand doesn't deliver, the top of the funnel is worthless because retention money is much more profitable than acquisition money. So, you know, if you spend all that money to get people in, you can't keep them because your customer experience blows. It's it's no good. M- Margaret, I want to flip and say, is this the same thing in B2B versus B2C or is it different if I have a B2B client? In fact, the quest for simplicity is even more important in B2B, I would argue. And there are a few reasons for this. As you know, in B2B, it's known for a complex sales cycle. So there are even more stakeholders involved. The other reason is increasingly in B2B, the buyers of your services are comparing that experience with their latest best consumer experience. And, and then a third reason, it's really important, and you touched on this with your reference to retention. More and more companies, let's take software for an example, the business model has gone to subscription. So you need to have this recurring revenue stream, which means every time the user interacts with your brand, it has to be a positive one. So that requirement for simplicity beyond the top of funnel is even more profound And I'll underline it with a final point. There is this notion that, you know, brand doesn't matter simplicity as much in B2B because historically B2B has been more driven by product or sales in terms of where the center of gravity is. But I would submit to you that the buyers in B2B are always extraordinarily engaged because it can be a career enhancing or a career limiting. Yeah, very limiting because you're not going to actually get a lot of chances. Hey, so so we have all these listeners out there and say you walk into a job or you get hired because despite the most recent study, I still think the uh, CMO job turns over fairly quickly. 
How do you know simplicity when you see it? Um, like, what is it? And then, then we're going to talk about, and if you are brought in and you don't have a simplistic answer, how do you fix it? So like, I, how do you see it? Like, how do you know simplicity? So largely, I think you intuit it. As a consumer, you know simplicity. Now, as a practical matter, you can relate back to the qualities I mentioned. Is it clear? Is the experience honest and transparent? Is there um, evidence that the brand has my interests in mind? And very often people forget this one. Is it useful? Is my interaction with the brand useful? So those are qualities, almost like a checklist you can ascertain. Another way to think about it is to what degree is the communication aligning with the experience? Because very often the marketing communication gets out way ahead of what the actual experience is. And there's always a little bit of tension and fluidity there because marketing tends to be aspirational. But to what degree is there a dissonance there? That's an opportunity for simplification. Another quality to watch for, plain language. Does the brand have the confidence to speak plainly? And one of the low-hanging fruit, particularly in B2B, is to look at the brand architecture. What is our product portfolio? How are we communicating it to the market? And for example, can our buyers identify the right offering for them and what the natural upgrade path is? So those are some of the questions I often spend time with CMOs to discern where they find the best opportunity to simplify. So I, I, I'm, I'm jumping, jumping the queue here a little bit, but I'm thinking, hey, Sometimes the auto companies in particular have jumped the queue on simplicity on the marketing side because they are talking about we're the best in our class for this and we seat six and we look great and we give you $500 back and we have 0% financing and we have all this other stuff. And then when you get to the dealership, it's a bunch of cars. Uh, I'll contrast that with some of the simpler ones like the ultimate driving machine. Is, is that a fair comment or not? Essentially, Mike, what you've identified is the added complexity of a channel. Yeah. So where there is a channel experience that is out of line with the marketing experience. And look, the CMO job is largely around translating strategy to the experiences in every touch point. When I am often asked, how do I define brand in mathematical terms, I say it's the summation of all the touch points a user, buyer, person yeah. has with your brand. And sometimes they can be negative. And no, sometimes a lot of times you can destroy a ton of brand value with a crappy experience. Yeah, that's it. So so let's say I'm getting recruited into this job as an upcoming CMO, and I see I have a lot of complexity. I want to decomplexify this company on the way in. Give us some tips on how you do that and how you get the company that has obviously complexified this story because it believes that it's to its own benefit. How do you, as an incoming CMO, make this turnaround happen? So the first part is you need to have some degree of air cover from the CEO, um, number one, because Often it requires 
a high degree of prioritization. And you've touched on this phenomena with many of your other guests, the need for the CEO and CMO to be aligned. Often I'll ask our clients implicitly, is this rebranding effort or this quest for simplicity a change of sign, a change of sign or a sign of change? Which is to say, is it really a transformational effort? So first, understanding the scope. Second thing is you have to have a good process to get the credibility of the peers in the C-suite and beyond, which may involve, frankly, getting some good data, doing qualitative interviews so people feel included and brought along in the process. Another component that's often absent is the brand strategy has to align with the business strategy. Secret revealing here, Mike, a lot of companies don't have a very clear business strategy. So sometimes the branding program and the effort and the engagement is a forcing function to get people to coalesce on what is the market we're going after? What sets us apart in that market? So the sheer exercise of simplification or of a branding program can actually achieve clarity on indeed what the business and growth strategy are. And we have talked about this in other shows, which is um, first, be negotiating on the way in of what you're going to do. And two, watch the job spec, <laughs> because a lot of times if you think you're going to change everything and the rest of the company isn't ready, but the job spec expects you to do it, maybe you're walking into a hornet's nest. And then the last thing, don't do your brand strategy in a vacuum from the company. I mean, a lot of times you'll have these people go away, do the brand strategy, and then show up with the brand strategy. And the financial people are going, that doesn't even make any sense. You should you should absolutely be connected to the whole company on this. And it's it's at all, and also you never, never, this is my advice to CMOs, never act like your marketing is going to fix core business problems. That's right. Like because because it's not if the core business problem is a problem, no matter how good top of the funnel work you do, it's still going to be a problem. So so, Margaret, can you can you talk about how do you measure this simplicity? You mentioned you mentioned your study. But so I'm sitting there on a brand. I'm sitting there as a CMO or whatever, or an agency. I want to measure the simplicity and see how am I? How am I versus competition? What do I do? So first and foremost, it always depends on context. So more broadly, I would say when you think about brand, there are three layers to the measurement. The first is perception. Um, That translates often into what is our awareness and are we in the consideration set? The other layer is performance, and that's purchase loyalty, ability to have a price premium, uh, referrals. And then the final layer is the financial performance, margins, brand valuation, revenue of the firm, for example. So that's sort of the ladder that I think about. In simplicity in particular, we look at metrics like um, willingness to recommend. And we've seen that brands that perform well in the simplicity index, people are three times more likely to recommend them. So are we talking net promoter score here? Or are we talking very sim very similar to net promoter score exactly so we ask the respondents to indicate whether or not they're willing to recommend and the brands that score best on the index have a higher 
likelihood that folks will recommend them or people recommend simpler brands at a significant clip. The other factor is people are more likely to pay a price premium for brands that are simple. And here's a fun one. If your audience would like to look at the index, we take every year, and we've been doing this for almost a decade, the top 10 performing brands, and we look at their stock market performance. And year after year, the brands that performed best as rated by consumers in this index significantly outperform the major indices, which is to say the capital markets reward simplicity as well. Got it. So if I'm interviewing for a job in a company that I think might have complexity, what questions should I be asking in the interview process to ensure two things, that I actually understand how much complexity is there, and two, that the company is willing to decomplexify? Give our give our listeners, as they look at potential other jobs, questions you would advise them to ask in the process. So when I talk to CMOs, I, I break it down into a supply side set of questions and a demand side. So the supply side is do a little introspection yourself and ask yourself in a perfect day, write down what is a perfect day? Where am I? What am I doing? And then sort of reflect on that as you look at the job description and see how much of that is actually reflected in what you're being asked to do. The second component of that is, imagine it's a year from now and I'm having dinner with Mike. And Mike says to me, Margaret, how was your year? And I say, Mike, it was a fabulous year. Here's why. Write down the why. So that's the supply side. That's that little bit of introspection first because we can be choiceful. And a lot of very high achieving CMOs are focused on winning the prize, getting the job, rather than saying, do I actually want the job? Will I perform optimally in this context? This is a really really great comment. And and I actually do that before I took any jobs. I will do the year out, but I will also write the, if the job goes bad, why will it go bad? And how's it gonna be on my resume one year out? And then I will ask questions to make sure that I can at least have some control over why it might go bad. That's a great addendum, Mike. I like that. So we've talked about the supply side. Now let's let's look at the core of your question, the demand side. And what you're trying to get to here is, is there a shared understanding of the job to be done by the CMO? You know, Clay Christensen's and fellow authors, wonderful work, the job to be done. Right. I want to understand that. What is the CMO's job to be done or what's the job to be done by marketing? Very simple framework I have that I can find gets you some way towards understanding that. Asking the other interviewers, what should marketing start doing, stop doing, and continue doing? And if there is significant difference there, that can be a telltale sign that there's a lack of clarity that's around what's the expectation of the role. Because as you've documented in many, many interviews, there are so many different interpretations of what's the role. So asking those questions can be instructive. Yeah, I will say it's the least consistently managed, least consistently structured job in the C-suite by an awful lot. Hey, hey, Margaret, I want to I want to now flip this over to the agency side. If I'm an ad agency uh, 
helping my client here, what's the best practice for me? So we're on the branding agency side. So the, yeah. so I provide that perspective. Look, we're very lucky often because when a client comes to us, they've done the hard work internally. They yeah. have the brief. They've achieved this level of alignment where they know what they want. They've got the meetings together. So we are often in that privileged position. And usually you have a telltale sign right there. It can be in how clear the brief is. Yeah. That's a great indicator of how good of a client this is going to be. Conversely, we do find ourselves in situations where someone's reaching out. They intuitively know there's a need for simplification or brand work, but it becomes very clear there's no consensus internally. Yeah, and that's when the brief is usually like 10 pages. Um, <laughs> exactly. So there are clues and there are different ways that we can help the CMO in achieving success. Sometimes it lends itself to having an upfront component that's phase one, that's more of a fact base. So everyone coalesces on the same fact base. And sometimes we'll say, let's just do that phase and stop there if there isn't clarity. Yeah. And that can provide some degree of reassurance for the CMO. Got it. Hey, I, I want to flip over because I, I would feel completely negligent if I did not ask an open-ended question about all the marketing you've done for Ireland. Um, tell us a story or tell us anything about that. That just it, it just tell us a fun story. Oh my! So I will give you an opportunity right. um, to, if you'd like, your listeners and viewers to check out Wearing Irish. It's an Instagram channel as well as a website that I host. And the premise of this is Ireland is brimming with fabulous fashion designers, but it's an untold story. So I'm endeavoring to tell that story through my own patronage of the designers, but also share, sharing their wares. So I invite your, your viewers to do that. And, you know, funny story, funny is tricky, Mike. But All right. Go but ahead. Funny is tricky. But so instead of going for funny, I tend to go for bringing joy. So I would invite your listeners to find some joy in the beauty of the designs. Okay, name a, just since I don't know any famous Irish designers, just give us a couple names that pop, that roll off, that so we can have it. So if I'm ever in a trivia game and they ask me who's a famous Irish designer, I know. One of the most remarkable menswear designers is a company called McGee. And you would wear it very well, Mike. So I invite right. you to check that out. All right. All right. I'll 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 check out McGee immediately. All right. <laughs> As we get to the end of our show here, Margaret, give our listeners any practical advice about anything we haven't talked about yet that you think is important for them to know. We've touched on a lot. So I would sum up in saying the job of the chief marketing officer is also to be the chief simplicity officer. And if you bring that mindset to the role, you will essentially remove that cognitive tax that so many are feeling around anxiety, around what is brand, what is marketing. You will enhance your productivity because you'll go from paralysis and complex meetings to productivity. You will build confidence in your function instead of confusion, and you will build trust instead of angst. To me, that's what it comes down to. And the wonderful CMOs and agency partners are 
the geniuses essentially who know what to retain and what to strip away in language, in design, and in brand experience. So chief marketing officer brings the chief simplicity officer to every meeting and every interaction. I I think this is a great way to end, and I agree with it completely, because if you let the company vote on your customer strategy, they will almost always add one more thing every meeting, and that will complexify the brief, the stories, and the customer experience in a way the customer will lose the key thread. You just reminded me, Mike, of what Albert Einstein says. Wow, I'm going to have you on the show almost every week if you're going to say you like that. You're, <laughs> you're, you're triggering Albert Einstein references. And if I remember it correctly, Einstein says everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. And that's the genius. It's not about being reductive. It's about finding the essence. And that's the fun part of the job, isn't it? I think so. And I'm going to keep this quote live as long as possible. So thank you for being on the show, Margaret. Uh, And thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and YouTube, which include what venture capital really thinks about marketing. What I learned as the first time CMO under Mayor Bloomberg of New York City. Why the short shelf life of CMOs parts one and two, including the B2B edition. And why is marketing innovation so freaking hard? Hey, all you marketers, be safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Lapata, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. 
Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. 